Welcome to Going Back, a rewatch podcast about the television show Lost, with your hosts, Adam Todd Brown and Olivia Hydar. Hey, everybody, welcome to Going Back, a rewatch podcast about the TV show Lost. I'm Adam Todd Brown. Who are you? I'm Olivia Hydar. That makes us your hosts. Olivia, how's it going? Yes. Oh, it's going good. It's good. going good. Good. It's been a while since we recorded one of these. I've had a lot going on. I've been putting this new studio together. I've been doing the bare minimum. I've been doing the polar bear minimum to keep the network going. <laughs> and now we're back to talking about Lost. Very yeah. excited. Me too. It's been a break, but I, I've enjoyed kind of marinating on the season as it goes, you know? Yeah. Almost like how you might have watched on TV, but like with large gaps. It's interesting. Yeah. It's fun. We're back to a Jack flashback episode. Yes. With what we're covering today. We're covering two episodes, episode 11 and 12. Mm -hmm. All the best cowboys have daddy issues and whatever the case may be, Jack and Kate flashbacks, respectively. Yeah. I think it's fair to say that this is probably the deepest valley of the first season. Like, this specific stretch. You know what I mean? Yeah. It now is a show that feels like it knows what it wants to be, but this is like the transitionary period. Right. Especially in these two episodes. We're really just kind of treading water. I mean, we're doing a Jack flashback again. Yeah, another Jack flashback. Can we get... We still haven't had a Hurley flashback? No. Let's find out more about Hurley, damn it. I know. I don't think we get a Hurley flashback until like five episodes from now. Or I Yeah, think. it takes it takes a while before we yeah. find out anything about Hurley, which is frustrating because he says something very mysterious like right in the beginning of this episode. Yeah. He's like really been dropping little bits and pieces as like jokes almost of his backstory. Yeah. So it would have been nice to get his in before another sure Jack back, but it's fine. It's just that there just really isn't anything for them to say about Jack yet. You know, this is kind of a big moment in his life flashback wise and a little bit. It just kind of feels like we're hitting a lot of the same beats from a different direction. Yeah, the main struggle in this episode is kind of a thing that has been touched on a bunch already, which is the struggle between Locke and Jack as far as who's the leader. And I would argue this is the episode where it emerges who should be the leader, which is Locke, it seems like. Because Jack is flying off the fucking handle on this episode. Yeah, at least in like a crisis like this. Yes. Where it's not a environmental hazards as they've been facing in the past you know what i mean like he doesn't know how to deal with people really yeah which is a struggle for a leader i think (laughs) and the title again all the best cowboys have daddy issues it's obviously a reference to jack but it could be about almost anyone on the island if you go through all the different characters and their stories like everyone has a shitty parent yeah It just is, like, a relatable, I guess, thing. Or, you know, everybody kind of understands having 
parent issues in one way or another. Sure. But it is really funny when you think about them all, like, as a collective. (laughs) Jack and Kate, oh, my God, and, like, Sawyer, oh, my God. Yeah, everyone. (laughs) Terrible parents. Saeed, I mean, yeah. So this episode starts with Hurley telling everyone Ethan wasn't on the plane. And in the midst of all the freaking out, they realize, uh uh-oh, Charlie and Claire are missing. Yes. So Jack and Locke go run through the jungle, John Fogarty style, to look for him. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I love John Fogarty. I love Credence Clearwater. They were my favorite dad, my dad's favorite band. I almost said my favorite dad's band. Uh, (laughs) I mean, they they were that too. He was my favorite dad of all the dads. I think lots of people's dad's favorite band is CCR. Yeah. So they go running through the jungle. Jack starts shouting like a lunatic, and Locke gives him a little shush. Yeah. yeah. Lost. Yeah, it was a good moment, but also it's one of the many moments of this episode where Jack is kind of acting like a total moron. Yeah, Jack's out of fucking control on this yeah. episode. And off the leash. He sure is. They cut back and Jack and Locke are chopping it up about Claire and Charlie being missing. Mm-hmm. And Jack says, how can one man drag off two people? And uh, Locke is like, you're not asking the right question. The right question is why? And I'm like, I think those are both good questions. Yeah, they're good. <laughs> one of them I would say is more urgent. Is it? Which I one? Guess, I Which mean, one? The why or how? Because the, the why, because like how it's like, well, maybe there's more than one person. I mean, in, well, yeah, there that's, we go. A huge, that's a bigger problem than not it, understanding the motivation behind it. It is. It is. I, I just I think that comes with the territory of Ethan not having been on the ship and the ship. Oh, my God. I'm watching too many <laughs> space movies. Airship. <laughs> If you think about it, an airplane is kind of an airship. Yeah, of course. So this episode, yeah, it gets back into the power struggle between Jack and Locke. And you can see that in Locke's face when Jack runs off further into the jungle. Like, he's really losing his shit. And Locke is like, why? Calm down. (laughs) Yeah. You're not going to help anybody. I also don't understand why Jack is so frantic in this moment like i get that they're looking for claire and charlie but like right i think he just doesn't have any experience with this and when he is faced with a problem that he can't even begin to tackle he just kind of flails and lashes out you know like he's really just like grasping for any sense of control this whole episode and like i get it that's a struggle yeah but maybe chill out and listen to the guy who, like, hunts boars every single day. One of the things I didn't love about this episode is I feel like the flashbacks that we're seeing about Jack and what's happening to Jack on the island at the time, I don't feel a real strong correlation between those two things. You've got to really kind of stretch. Because you could say, like, well... He's dealing with a sense of this loss of control, and maybe that's, like, similar to the emotions he's facing with his dad. 
or maybe it's because like he feels like he's responsible for their lives like he was responsible for this woman's life but it's not like yeah. the way that these people are in danger are in any way comparable yeah <laughs> and very different circumstances and jack's reaction to the two situations are very different yeah the first flashback we see is him in the operating room right and he's performing surgery on a woman who has already died and they're trying to revive her and his dad comes in the room and says call it jack and he doesn't (laughs) want to and they go back and forth he he means call time of death because right she's clearly dead and jack won't do it and that's all that's all we see at first but right I like that flashback a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Like, it tells you almost everything you need to know about Christian, who is Jack's father. Right, right. But I also still like the way, I mean, we'd be jumping ahead if I get into it, but the way Jack reacts to it seems completely different to how he reacts to what's happening on the island. Because in the end, Jack kind of, I would argue, does the right thing in the yeah. surgery issue. He's not, like, freaking out about it. He's not being crazy about it. But on the island, he's losing his fucking mind. Well, and this is what we're saying about how they're not connected. Is like, that's a circumstance that he inherently understands. Like, he grew up yeah. around hospitals. Like, he knows how the rules of a hospital work. Like, the back of his hand. Like, he just knows it by heart. And so... He's like purposefully, you know, at first seeming like maybe he's going to bend against that and then, you know, finding his resolve at the end. But again, like that's not what's going on on the island. <laughs> it's like right. this is a totally foreign situation that he has no experience with, which is what I think is causing him to spiral like this. Yeah. Because he's obviously so he's got this control issue of like needing to be in control of his surroundings and when that's taken away from him like this i think it just short circuits his brain yeah he's just kind of like we've said like he's just yelling at everybody and (laughs) like you know bossing people around and it's not helpful at all yeah he's being a little bit of a tyrant on this episode in general but back on the island Locke is forming a search party to go look for Claire and Charlie. Boone's bitch ass wants to help. And Locke agrees that he should help. Michael also wants to help, though. And Locke is like, nah, we're good. Right. We got enough. And Michael says, well, I'll start a search party of my own. And Locke says, cool, we're going north. You go south. <laughs> Man, that felt uncomfortably racial. Like, don't tell, I, tell Michael to go to South. We're from the United States. North oh versus my South God. has oh some my historical God. implications. Literally never crossed my mind at First all. That thing you- I thought of. <laughs> now that you have, I mean, I don't think about the North and South thing, but like him being excluded, I guess you could read it as racial, but also like Michael has kind of proven to be pretty ineffectual by this point in the series so far yeah and like they had four people you don't want too many people if you're trying to be a small group and stay mobile and not make a ton of noise and shit but also like i mean i would have taken michael over boone boone is fucking useless yeah boone sucks 
Oh, I hate sucks. him so much. Yeah, we got a Boone flashback episode coming up, and fuck oh you. Stop. Mm-hmm. It's just, how are we ever supposed to get invested in the pretty but whiny fucking sister fucker? Like, I don't understand Both how this is supposed to be like an empathetic character. He's like a rich sister fucker. Yeah, it's yeah. so weird. Fucking sucks. <laughs> Speaking of flashbacks, it turns out Jack's dad was operating on that woman first. And his yes. hand was shaken because he was a real booze hound. But also they yes. say he had just been drinking, which should have stopped those handshakes. But it's fine. We're not talking about science. Because he I was guess. At, I don't know. He was at lunch and he had been right, throwing but- a few back. And normally the shaky if, hand thing, if you're an alcoholic, is an alcohol withdrawal thing. It's a DT, but like when you're intoxicated, your well, hand yeah. might not be super steady. Yeah, well, was this hand like, shaking or wobbling? I need specifics. Well, you know what? And this is why you were his defense attorney on the medical board. Correct. And, Correct. And he got sentenced. But like, no, I don't know. It didn't seem like he was supposed to have been having the DTs. It was definitely like... I wouldn't want someone. No, I wouldn't want no. my surgeon being drunk operating on me. Yeah, it turns out he cut one of that woman's arteries on accident. And the way Jack yeah. ended up in the operating room is someone tipped him off that his dad was drunk and had just right made an error and that Jack needed to come fix it. And so Jack and Christian are arguing about this. And man, Christian drops a line on Jack. Yeah. Because Jack was like, I was right upstairs. I came down right away. And Christian says, well, if I was in a restaurant having lunch and you were right upstairs and they called me instead, what does that say about you? It's like, oh, yeah. Ouch. It's a burn. It's It's a a sick burn. And it's an important burn because you really do get the whole evolution of Christian here, at least as a father. He's a manipulative, drunken son of a bitch. And you see every ounce of that in just this one little storyline. Yeah, I I think that's probably my favorite scene of the episode. Yeah. Uh, Well, other than the Ethan scene, but I just like William of Wither. I just think he's (laughs) such a good creep that I like seeing him. But yeah, no, I, I do enjoy that scene. I mean, Christian is a legendary bastard. He also obviously gets his own little character evolution within the flashbacks and, yeah. and everything. And I enjoy that aspect of Lost, but he is such a bastard. He is a bastard. Back on the island, Locke and Jack are arguing about whether Jack should go with them looking for Claire and Charlie. And Locke is making all of the sense in the goddamn world. He's like, look. I'm the hunter. You're the doctor. Stay here and be the doctor. We need a doctor. Several people can hunt, but you're the only doctor. So just stay here. And Jack's like, no. And he goes fucking running (laughs) off into the jungle again. It's like, calm down, man. You're right. And Locke is right. You should just chill. Just stay here. That is my advice to Jack this entire episode. Just fucking chill out, man. (laughs) Yeah, he's got all these qualms about being a leader, and Locke is like, fine, don't. Just stay here and be a doctor. And then Jack's like, no. I just, 
It's just, I don't understand, and maybe this is just a psychological difference between me and Jack, this fictional character, but, like, I don't understand how he would be less of a leader if he stayed behind. Yeah. I mean, I get that they disappeared and he didn't listen to them and, like, he feels guilty and shit, but you're not less of a leader if you fucking stay behind, man. It's cool. Yeah. Like. Makes no sense. Presidents don't go to war. <laughs> exactly. We, we send the poor. Right. Also, Locke is essentially Walt's dad at this point because Michael is just being like, I get he's just a kid, but also he's a kid that has survived a plane crash and is stranded on a deserted island with a bunch of strangers. You're going to have to allow for him to jump ahead a few years in his emotional development. Yeah, I feel like the threshold for danger should be raised in here. Yeah. He's been through some shit, man. Yeah, and he just wants to, like, go with them to look for Claire and Charlie. And I guess I understand not letting him do that. But yeah, pretty much anything Walt wants to do, Michael's like, no, you're a kid. Stay here and let this stranger watch you. Yeah, don't go have fun. Don't go throw (laughs) knives and, like, play board games. Stay here with me and don't do anything and be bored. Why are you playing backgammon with my son? Man, calm down. God. And look, I've said this before. Locke, you know, he's got incel vibes. Yes, that's true. I get not necessarily being thrilled that your son is like taken with this guy (laughs) but also like you know he's at least being nice to the kid he's just also indoctrinating him in his weird cult of the island yeah his weird knife throwing cult right yeah at one point walt and hurley are talking about warriors and hurley Mm. says this really weird thing where he just says you know i was known as somewhat of a warrior back home and I'm like, go on. They don't. Oh, they don't. I think that's just a joke. I mean, like, I mean, I know we know everything that happened in his entire life. So we know. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, at this point in the show, we don't. But right at this point in the show. Sure. Like maybe. But like, I don't know. He's just a stoner. I feel like he has like a stash somewhere, you know, like that's how he's been able to stay chill this entire time. I hope so. I want that for Hurley. Yeah. I think they do find weed later. I'm pretty sure they find weed when they find some of the Dharma stuff. I know they find beer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember the Dharma beer. God. Sorry. I mean, look, I think we're kind of... Look, who cares? It's an old I mean, show. If you've if never seen the show, there's, there's no way that's a spoiler. We just shouted yeah. out a name that you don't know right. what it means yet. We Google might be it. talking about and Greg. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so... Jack is being an absolute fuckhole to everyone he comes in contact with on this episode. Jack and Locke argue about what way they should go. And I'm, again, on Locke's side because there's two different trails. Locke is like, well, this trail we're following, it veers off into the woods. You see footprints go that way. And Jack is like, no, Charlie's little band-aids, there's one here. So we need to follow that because there's at least going to be four of those. And Locke and I think Kate also are both like, well, what if they're planting those to get you to go to the wrong spot? And Jack takes off running into the jungle. I mean, first we find out Kate is also a tracker and they decide to split up. But once they decide that, it's like Kate tossed a fucking Frisbee and he just fucking goes (laughs) off running. It's like, will you calm 
down. No, <laughs> he won't. And he won't tell. <laughs> This entire episode, he does not. I'm surprised the episode doesn't end with blood popping out of his <laughs> temple. <laughs> how do we feel about Boone and Locke talking Man. about the red shirts? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, how do we feel about Boone? We can just stop there. But yeah, the red shirts thing. Let's talk about I it. I also, I thought that was a weird scene. <laughs> what is really weird about it is Boone knows enough about Star Trek Yes. To fill Locke in on all of the lore of the red shirts who are the right. in Star Trek lore. Those are the people who die first when they get sent on a mission. Right, right, right. And he knows enough about Star Trek to tell yes. Locke that story, but also describes Spock as the guy with the pointy ears. Yeah. So, you know, the, the captain, red the guy shirt, with the pointy ears, you know, the red shirt lore. But you right. forget the name of the guy with the point and the captain. It's like, man, yes. who wrote this show? I didn't check to see who wrote this episode. <laughs> I should have that at hand. But it did feel like Damon Lindelof was writing this scene and then realized, like, wait, there's no way Boone has ever watched the original Star Trek series. <laughs> so we better make a joke about it. Like, we better toss it off. To make it seem like maybe he doesn't watch it, even though, yeah, it's just very strange that he would know about red shirts but not know Spock's name. <laughs> I don't know. Weird. I feel like more people know Spock's name. I would think so, yeah. The guy with the Very ears. famous name. <laughs> Super duper famous. So, yeah, it turns out Kate has tracking skills, too. And right. Jack finds us out and says, cool, track me, and runs off. And, I mean, I'm paraphrasing. And when she right, right, finally right. gets him to stop running, he angrily demands to know where she learned her tracking skills. And it's like, how about fuck you, Jack? Yeah. Just be thankful I mean, like, there's another person with those skills. Again, it's one of those things where it's like, I guess I'm just like, well, you know she was a fugitive on the run and shit. Yeah. I don't know. I, I wouldn't necessarily bad an eye at any skill she like i don't know what that's about yeah. it seems like maybe there's a lot you don't know about her like he, it feels like that's the whole premise of the show he's known this woman what a month by this point if that i think they said two weeks yeah relax it's been an eventful two weeks you're not yourself lately what's with all these tracking skills months. no it can't have been two months no, they're not uh, because, even on. Uh, it's like 48 days until the thing later on. Yeah. <laughs> until the other thing that happens. So flashback city. Christian wants Jack to sign off on a report that says a woman came in the ER and died. And that was all there is to it. And Jack at first doesn't want to do it because he's like, I know you were drunk, dad. You're a problem. And then right. Christian, this is where you see a lot about Jack and Christian in this one line. When Christian says, I know I've been hard on you, but that's how you make a soft metal into steel. That's why you're yeah. the best young surgeon in this city. And Jack is being fucking run right now. Yeah. But you can tell his heart melts when Christian says that. He's like, oh, my God, yeah. really? Yeah. You know, and where are they're in like Pittsburgh, right? No, Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. He's in L.A. Still. I bet that's no, not I true. Mean, he's I, bet he's, I bet he's not the best young surgeon in L.A. LA's I mean, fucking he might be chock full of good young surgeons, probably. Who knows? But yeah, Jack is really getting the business from his dad. In yeah, this he's moment. getting worked, and he buys in enough to not immediately reject this premise. 
Right. And yeah, he agrees to sign off on the report back on the island. Very nice interaction between Sawyer and Saeed. Yeah. You can tell. I like that scene. Because Sawyer finds out Saeed is back and he says, I don't know if you Islams have a sense of karma. Yeah. But I feel like you're being dished a big heaping helping of it right now. (laughs) And Saeed's like, yeah, I get it. I left because I felt bad for what you did. And Sawyer's like, huh? Still mad at you. But then they talk and then Sawyer, as he walks away, says, I kept your signal fires burning. So there's there's some warming of the relations between the two. I like it. Yeah. Well, what I really liked about it was that what gets Sawyer to kind of back down and drop the hostility is Saeed mentioning some of his like new discoveries about the mysteries of the island. Yeah. It's like all of the characters of the show are also invested in the mystery, like the audience. And so I just like the idea that they're connecting with each other over this stuff that we are like getting invested into the show. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There is one of my favorite lines of dialogue in this show at one point, Boone and Locke are off on their own separate search party. And right. Boone says, so what are we following? And Locke goes, my gut. Yeah. I like that. That was fun. That's a fun line. <laughs> yeah. I will say, though, it is interesting that, you know, spoiler for the very middle of our podcast and the end of this episode, Jack and Kate are the ones who find Ethan and then find Charlie. Locke yeah. is off. Like, his gut is taking him to the hatch. Right. So, which isn't that's nothing. like it's not nothing, but it is kind of revealing how even though he is more competent in a lot of ways at this island, like he is not a good leader because he is able to lose focus on the well-being of the people because he's obsessed with finding out what's going on with this island. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of that, there's a scene where Jack and Kate have been following Charlie's finger tape trail. And when they get to the last one, Jack hears a woman screaming and it's pouring rain by this point. And Jack again. Oh, well, because there's that scene where Locke is like, it's going to start raining in one minute. And then they have the my gut conversation and then it starts raining. Yeah. And Jack hears someone screaming. Kate doesn't hear it. That's a thing that happens a few times over the course of these next couple episodes. People will hear voices that other people don't hear. Right. And in this case, Jack hears a woman screaming. Kate doesn't hear it. Jack, again, tears off running up this muddy, steep-as-shit mountain, gets almost all the way to the top, falls, hilarious, and then Mm -hmm. gets down there, and uh uh-oh, Ethan is down there. And Ethan stands over him and says, if you don't stop following me and stop trying to find me, I'm going to kill one of them. And he means Claire or Charlie. And, uh... Then he and Jack fight, and Ethan just dog walks Jack. It's not even <laughs> close. Like, he curb stomps Jack's yeah. ass. Like, he's he unconscious for a while. Yeah. He, like, makes him a big dinner and then hands him the check. <laughs> <laughs> just tears him apart. Yeah, when Jack finally opens his eyes again, it's sunny out, and Kate is back down the mountain. <laughs> Like, hey, you passed out. And he's like, yeah, I did. No shit. (laughs) He's got a glass jaw a little bit. Just a little bit. 
So back on Flashback Island, Jack, they're in a meeting about this report because there was another flashback where the woman's husband shows up at the hospital and it seems like he's going to sue. But then you see Christian talking to him. You can't hear what they're saying, but you can tell what's going on. Like Christian's being super fucking empathetic. He's laying it on. He does the shoulder grab, which is what he does when he imparts his like praise onto Jack. Right. And so now they're in this meeting and it seems like they're going to sign off on the report. Everything's going to be fine. Then Jack finds out that woman was pregnant. Yeah. And he says he wants to amend his report and he spills the beans about Christian being drunk in the operating room. Damn. Yeah. And yeah, it's good. You know, it's a it's a good sign of Jack being at his heart even when he falters. He has a good moral compass that he knows how to follow, at least for the most part. Yeah. He almost went along with it until he found out she was pregnant, but he was able to draw a line. But like we were saying, that's not really the conflict on the islands <laughs> at all. No, but it does set up the next scene very well, which is we see this interaction with Jack in this meeting and... So now he knows that woman he was operating on who his dad said, just stop, like stop working on her, just declare her dead. Jack didn't want to give up, but he finally did. And they declared the woman dead. So now he knows there were two lives involved there because she was also pregnant. So now cut to Kate and Jack finding Charlie hanging from a fucking tree. Yeah. And this is, yeah, brutal imagery. I will say it's very tough to look at. It is. And they managed to cut him down. It's a whole fiasco, which raises the question how they got him in that tree in the first place. But it's mysterious island. Right. Well, and, and again, it goes along with the implied superhuman strength that Ethan has evidently displayed in the past. Right. Like dragging two people and stuff. And so they cut Charlie down. He's not breathing. And Jack is just beating on his chest trying to restart his heart Mm -hmm. and eventually kate she's screaming she's crying she tells him to just stop it's too late charlie's dead and he does stop for a second right and then just starts going at it even harder (laughs) and it's like damn jack just stop and kate's (sighs) freaking out she's screaming right and then charlie just goes <laughs> and it fucking rules. I love that yeah. scene so that's much. That's a good scene. It's so good. Have you ever seen the YouTube video that's like a super cut of all of the times people say shit like, let's enhance or can we zoom in on that picture? Can we increase, you know, like the techno jargon? Yeah. I just would love to see that for this CPR scene. <laughs> yeah. Because I've seen it in so many things and it usually hits. It's usually a good a good move. But, like, I immediately think of The Abyss, which has a classic one. And, like, there's just so many. It happens so often. (laughs) Yeah. But it was really effective in this. No, it's very effective. I'm not saying it's not. Yeah. And so Charlie's back. He's not talking. Like, not a lot. I mean, I'm sure his throat hurts. Yeah. (laughs) Probably, yeah. He does tell Jack that the weird thing about the people who took them is that they only wanted Claire. They did not want Charlie. And so then... The last thing we see in this episode, Boone and Locke are out searching in the jungle. Boone says he's going to go back, and Locke tosses him. I think it's a flashlight he tosses him. 
or something. something. He says, you're going to need this more than me. And when it falls to the ground, uh-oh, they hear a very mm-hmm. loud metal thud. Hmm. What is that? Boone I says. Wonder what this could possibly be. I wonder if this will be a huge thing for the entire future of the series. (laughs) This is a moment I very much remember from the first time I watched this show. Me too. And just being like, whoa, what is this? And I will say, I was dogging on both of these episodes, but they do that still, which is what Lost has always been like really good at, which is throwing in a bunch of really good, cool shit right at the end (laughs) in order to make the whole episode feel like there was more going on and yeah it is the end once spoon asks what that is Locke says that's what we're gonna find out yeah lost end of the episode on to episode 12 whatever the case may be kate flashback cashback as we call them in the industry. Of course. You Epis- got to have your cash back a couple times. This episode opens with Kate climbing around the jungle like a goddamn monkey. And sure. she hears something <laughs> rustling in the trees and throws a rock at it. Turns out it was Sawyer. Good thing it wasn't like Walt because <laughs> she hit Sawyer in what would have been like Walt's chest area. <laughs> so right. He- he would have been hurt for sure because it was a big rock. Yeah, they would have had to do the CPR scene again. Stuff <laughs> 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 with the rock or just throwing it over right. and over. Come on! So this time it's Kate who hears something off in the distance. Yeah. And holy shit, it's a damn waterfall. Yeah. Big I will say at that one, the sound of the waterfall, I thought, was pretty loud. Like, it's kind of weird that Sawyer didn't hear it at first. Yeah. And so Sawyer and Kate decide to do some hot people shit and strip most of their clothes off and jump in this body of water. Hell yeah. Love you, Lost. Yeah. <laughs> Frolic around. Nothing gratuitous about it at all. <laughs> but then they find dead plane passengers in the water. Which is rad. Lost. And I'm going to be honest, uh, that's a good point for that. That's a good point to flash Lost across the screen. That is pretty wild when they find those dead bodies in the bottom of that lake. And they're like cool, like puppets. You know, like putting puppets underwater generally, I think, has some good effects. I I, I don't know what it is. It's something about the water sells the reality. Yeah, especially when it's not an actual person. It's going to start decomposing right away when you put it down there. So it looks even cooler. Yeah. And Kate spots a silver briefcase when they're swimming down. Because Sawyer's like, well, I'm going to go down and pat them down and see what they got. (laughs) And Kate acts like that's crazy. And I don't know why that's so crazy. Yeah, I do like that that is his immediate thought when he (laughs) finds dead bodies, though. It's like, well, I'm going to go see if I can find some shit on them. I mean... Locke is the hunter, Jack is the doctor, Sawyer's the fucking scavenger. I like it. Absolutely. He's got a role. But also, they do find some shit, so like... They sure do, yeah. He was right. Yeah, one of the things they find is a silver briefcase, and Kate says Mm -hmm. it was hers, and that she wants to go get it. So they go back down, and they pull it out, and immediately Kate is very dodgy about what's in this briefcase. Right. This is like, in the last episode, Jack was being just so aggro at everybody 
And then this episode, Kate is just being so cryptic at everybody. <laughs> and it seems like for not any real reason. Be- I- because she doesn't want to open up, I guess. Like, I guess I would understand not wanting Sawyer to get the guns that end up being in there. Yeah. But beyond that, it's and- like, because this whole exchange, he's like, oh, this really isn't yours, is it? Then I guess I'll just take it. And, like, why wouldn't she just be like, yeah, it's mine. I just don't want to fucking tell you what's in it. Give it to me. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I understand not wanting Sawyer to, like, have intimate details of your life at this point in their relationship. But she's like that with everybody. And, I mean, if that's the point, but also, like... It's not like she's antisocial. She's a contributing member. We know she was a criminal. Like, she's obviously got shit to hide. Yeah, makes no sense. Not like you don't, Jack. (laughs) So Saeed is on a mission to translate Rousseau's papers. He doesn't want to at first. Jack kind of talks him into it. Saeed has a really great line where he says some things are best left untranslated. I thought that was good. Good log, short for dialogue, saves me time when I talk. I mean, yeah, very Pontypool, that yeah. line. <laughs> I fucking loved Pontypool so much. One of my favorite movies. Oh, that movie's so good. I have it on Blu-ray, and I don't even have a Blu-ray player. <sighs> I'm jealous. I have not been able to find <laughs> it on physical media. Oh, really? Andy Sell bought it for me at a video store that was going out of business. <sighs> fucking nice. So, yeah, they're talking about maybe translating this dialogue. And I think we learned earlier that Shannon speaks, she parlez-vous a little Francais. Right, yeah, that's as in the... they say. Because she was there with them when they found the radio train. That's how they oh, learned right, about right, the radio right, transmission right. to begin with. So, Shannon, we don't know right away that Shannon's going to be in on this. Like, he mentions it. And then they cut to Shannon and Boone. Why is Shannon being such an asshole to Boone? Is it just because they're, like, I fucking? Mean, or, like, what's going on? Because... You know, have you seen this guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd be I an asshole to him, too. But I don't know why, like, because he's going out in the jungle with Locke to right. look at this hatch. And she's like, is he your new boyfriend? It's like, right. damn, Shannon. Calm yeah. down. But there's not really any explanation for it. I mean, I think the explanation is that's just kind of how she is right now at this point before like this episode is what begins her on island kind of personality transformation yeah uh into a good character (laughs) yeah because you do see like one of the last things we saw from her was her brother like petting her head while she's recovering from a damn asthma attack and now she's like fuck you boone but you also see that in one of boone's future flashbacks you do kind of see that that that's what Shannon is like. I mean, like, it seems like not only is she like that with Boone, but she's like that with, like, everybody. She's just entitled. She's yeah. just a rich, entitled brat. Which, you know, I'm glad she stops being that because there's limited potential there, I think. Yeah, Boone calls her useless, which is harsh but yes. fair up to this point. Yes, yeah. But it's talk about the pot calling the kettle black. <laughs> yeah. Boone is, like, trying to be useful and has failed every single time. So Sawyer's parading around with this metal suitcase, and Kate is eyeing it like a dog eyeing a piece of raw meat. Yeah. Which takes us to flashback New Mexico. Kate 
is applying for a loan at a bank in the state of Breaking Bad, air balloons, and violent cops. Absolutely. While she's there, the bank is robbed. Uh-oh. Back yep. on the island. <laughs> that's it. That's the extent of the flashback. Well, that's, yeah. It starts with the bank being robbed, and then they just cut away. And they yep. go back to the island where Kate finds Sawyer sleeping with that case. And she tries to take it. Struggle ensues. And, yeah, the bank robbery plot was interesting, but yeah. it's just, I don't know. It's a risky plot. I mean, similarly with the flashbacks in the last episode, it's like, this is not a bad story to tell. And, like, we certainly need, we need to see at least some criminal exploits from Kate at some point, because so far we have only seen her get captured. Um, yes. But, like, it just doesn't feel like there is enough meat on this particular bone to merit an entire episode's worth of flashbacks. Yeah. Like, we're learning a lot about Kate, but, I mean, we're learning that she's, you know, she's willing to use a person to get what yes. she needs. She's willing to sort of resort to violence, but she's also a bank robber with a heart of gold, as we yes. eventually well, learn. But also, but also I want to know how she fell into that. I want a fucking series about Kate planning that goddamn bank heist. <laughs> yeah, it could either be way more detailed or half of a flashback story yeah. and like have more stuff happen after that or before it. But as it is, it's just not quite enough. And like, I don't know, it is the thing about how they kind of are, you know, it's, it's the structure of the show and they're trying stuff out. They're obviously trying to not just tell us what Kate did, because that would just be given away a free mystery. Right. But... We find out by I mean, the end of the episode. Not really, though. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, we find out what's going on with this bank robbery, at least. Pretty quick. Right, we find it. out that. But, yeah. like, we still don't know what she did because she was already on the run in this flashback. So, like, this is not what made her go on the run. This is oh, right. yeah. a thing that is happening into her journey as a fugitive. And she seems to hint at what she did at the end of the episode. We'll talk about this later, but like she's not really talking about the thing that is quote unquote what Kate did. Right. And like I would say like that's one of the mythology things that I feel like the show did not do the best with. It's one of my least favorite of the personal mysteries. Yeah. Because I don't feel like there's like a ton of dramatic weight to wondering what crime she committed. The cool things about her are, and they know this because they're telling these stories, the cool things are what she then did as a fugitive to escape the law and how she then ended up in Australia and that sort of stuff. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it, her central mystery becomes what she did and – when we learn that it's, you know, it's like, oh, I guess that, I mean, that's a big deal, but like, I don't understand why it was a mystery. Yeah. So Saeed recruits Shannon to help translate the Russo papers. Now yes. who's useless, Boone? <laughs> Boone. Yeah, it's Boone. It's Boone. It's always Boone. She says she doesn't speak enough French to do it. And given the events of Taken Part One, I think that might be true, but. <laughs> I guess we'll see. Sawyer uh, 
he's trying to break into the suitcase, and Michael says the only thing that's going to work is an axe. Because here's the thing. I don't know if you heard it mentioned in the episode, Olivia. It's a Halliburton case. He's trying to pick a Halliburton. Yeah. No. You can't pick a Halliburton. <laughs> you think you're going to pick a Halliburton? <laughs> a Halliburton, the finest quality suitcase on the market? Save 10% with code LOST in the LOST store? <laughs> If it were a podcast, (laughs) (laughs) are Halliburton, they are supposed to be like that, right? Yeah. They're very tough and secure. They're just getting a ton of product placement. It's like on 24 when Jack would open his phone and it would clearly be like a Nextel screen. It's like, okay, stop. But remember, this is out in 2004. I think Halliburton was getting plenty of product placement on like CNN. (laughs) (laughs) True. Just not in quite as positive of a way. Sure. It's uh, just funny. It is funny that it's Halliburton. I just love it. I mean, God, our country's so weird. I like the scene where Sawyer is trying to open the suitcase and he just drops it from a very, very tall heights. And yeah. Kate just he- comes scurrying out of the jungle and grabs <laughs> it like a fucking mouse seeing someone drop food. It's the cutest. Yeah. I love that scene. It's very funny. He's like, God damn it, I should have seen that <laughs> I do like that Sawyer is just very simian. In this episode, he's just yeah. kind of like monkey, like, <laughs> case break. <laughs> and they start cutting back and forth between Kate lusting over the suitcase and the bank robbery scenes. Mm-hmm. And it turns out the bank robbery, Kate was in on it. It starts with right. her applying for a loan. And then one of the robbers pulls her into a room, and we find out she's in on it. And they start making out, and I'm like, that's risky. You're going to have to punch her. They do. And then they go back out and carry out this robbery. And it's got a very dramatic ending. I will say that. The robbery. (laughs) It does. But again, it's just this whole thing where it's like, why is she in the robbery? Well, she's with these people. She's not getting a loan. Okay, well, why is she working with them? Well, she's not working with them. She's actually using them. Well, why is she using them to get to a safety deposit box? Well, what's in the safety deposit box? A toy plane? A toy airplane. And then, like, episodes and episodes and episodes later, it's like, well, what was the deal with the toy plane? It's like, oh, it just belonged to some guy she knew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's a very weird, weird development. Again, it feels like, you know, they found the hatch. By this point in writing the season, they know where the season is heading. But they just don't quite have Kate's whole thing down yet. So they're just like, well, let's just do the same thing for a second and then we'll figure it out later. Here's another mystery for her. Yeah. So, yeah, they keep going back and forth. They get the case from Sawyer eventually. Well, first they have to they have to find the key. Right. And Kate tells Jack, "Uh uh-oh, it was with the air marshal. He kept it in his wallet. And my first question is, why did you bury the air marshal's wallet with him? (laughs) Again, it's only been like two weeks. (laughs) I feel like maybe they're just like, well, let's get him in the ground. We're not thinking long term here. (laughs) So they dig up the air marshal and it's gross. Kate. Yeah, he's in like a mass grave. Yeah. (laughs) Again, this is very dark for network television. Kate tries some sleight of hand. She looks in the wallet and goes, oh, the key's not here. Yeah, and, classic. And Jack 
Jack like amazing Randy's there and is like, open your fucking hand. I know what you're doing. <laughs> Stop it with the magic tricks. Yeah. And so Jack uses essentially antibiotic blackmail to get the case from Sawyer because Sawyer has been stabbed in the arm and Jack's been giving him antibiotics. And he's like, I'll stop and you'll die or I'll cut your arm off. And they finally trade. And so they get this case open. And yeah, what Kate ends up being so obsessed over inside it is a toy airplane. During the course of all the bank robbery scenes, we see her pull this envelope out from this this uh, safe deposit box that she wanted opened. But then, yeah, it's a toy plane. And she's like, it belonged to the man I loved. And then she says it belonged to the man I killed. Yeah. It's a very uh, goodwill hunting type scene. Yeah. <laughs> between Jack and Kate. Yeah. And this is where I'm just like, I guess. But like, it's not the man that she killed that like it's a different guy it's not the reason why she is on the run oh yeah no that's a legitimate criticism of this episode for sure <laughs> yeah this is funny yeah it's not a yeah. super important storyline but no i mean it tells us some stuff but it also tells us stuff about kate we already knew right exactly and it's fine i think especially this episode is better about it than others but like at least the on island stuff is like propulsive enough that and you know the first time you're watching it you don't know that none of it really matters so you know but it's just funny there's a lot of stuff with rose and charlie that we haven't oh yeah in this episode it's all i like the rose and charlie subplot in this episode yeah charlie's distraught because claire is missing and yeah rose is like look man and he was hung by the neck yeah there's that too That's a thing to go through. And Rose is like, look, man, we've all been through some shit. You can be all right. Have some faith. (laughs) It's true. Look at me. My husband was in the tail section. You see me being sad? He's like, your husband's dead. She's like, no, he's not. No. And yeah, she just kind of brings Charlie out of his shell. It's very sweet. Yeah. And then they pray to Jesus, (laughs) which I'm like, okay, well, that's. And then they have sex, which was weird. Yeah, but hot. You know, like yeah, hot, yeah. really hot. I don't know where they got all that baby oil, but oh, baby. No, I all mean. All that oil? Oof. Oof. We're joking. That doesn't happen. No. But Shannon, it is a nice subplot. Shannon does finally figure out what she's translating. Right. And they don't ever say it. They just hint at what movie it's from, which, of course, Finding Nemo. The song right. La Mer, which I know that's like a very old song. But they just kind of hint at what movie it's from, and she starts singing it, but they never say what. It's like she remembers the lyrics, but not the name of the song. Well, Finding Nemo had just come out, so maybe it's just it's too new for her. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, it's the song. <laughs> I don't know. The song Beyond the Sea or La Mer. Bobby yes. Darren's version is called Beyond the Sea because I don't think La Mer translates to Beyond the Sea. I think that just translates to the sea. I think that's true. So I didn't want to upset any French majors out there. You no, they are. but that's a great song. Yeah, it is. It's a really good song. And uh, yeah, it turns out that's what she's been translating. Whoops. That's not going to help yeah. much. Or will it? <laughs> Lost. Lost. Yeah. As Kate looks at her little toy. Yeah. She got like a Happy Meal toy. Kate, went through all that. For- <laughs> yeah. Fondling her fucking gift shop souvenir it, of an airplane. It's just- it's just what we were saying about how it doesn't seem like this is how these characters should be behaving in these two episodes. Like, Jack in his episode totally goes off the rails and behaves in a 
way counter to everything that we've kind of seen him do up until that point. And then, like, Kate is taking this, like, cagey, coy thing to the umpteenth degree, and... I don't know, man. Why would she not tell Jack? It's not like this is her entire past. It's just some guy. Yeah, her being as weird as she is about this suitcase is strange to me. Yeah. She could have just been like, oh, you got me. I didn't want you to know there were all those guns in there. Also, can you hand me that fucking toy airplane? Means something to me. Right. Again, like, I get not telling Sawyer, but when she's telling Jack, well, there's guns in there... That's fine, but if you had just said, and there's, like, a thing in there that I need, I can't really talk about it, Jack would have been like, okay, cool, I'll still help. Would he? Based on what we know about Jack, would he, though? But he would have wanted the guns, and then he wouldn't care. It's like she's just terrified that he will even ask about her past. And it's like, you're acting like a fucking freak. Of course people (laughs) are going to ask what's going on. Oh, this show. Yeah, this This show, it's fun. Yeah, it's a weird episode. It's a very weird episode. Yeah. And we have reached the end of the episode. Next time around, we're covering S1, E13, and 14, Hearts and Minds, and Uh. Special. One of them is a Boone flashback. Mm Mm-hmm. Ugh. But then there's also a Michael flashback. That's refreshing. We should have, like, an incest alarm for whenever (laughs) there's a Boone and Shannon (laughs) storyline. Yeah, the Boone and Shannon storyline really takes a turn in the Hearts and Minds episode. I will tell you that. (laughs) Until then, do we have anything to plug before we get out of here? I will tell people I have launched a sub stack where you can pay me to read articles that I write with my hands adamtoddbrown.substack.com for the first month or so everything's going to be free right now there's there's an article about fascism and how we've always been fascist there's an article (laughs) about how the cia was really obsessed with shellfish toxin in the 1960s and a couple of very detailed episode recaps about nbc's hit series the voice so uh oh and a column about how mariah carey's glitter is the most underrated pop album of all time. So go read all that. Sure. There will be more coming very soon. And uh, also listen to Conspiracy the Show if you're not. Yes. Or we'll fuck you up. The way, we will. The way Ethan beat Jack's ass, we're going to be yeah. on you like that if you're not listening to Conspiracy the Show. It's Sorry. Like, remember in that scene from the end of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back where they go around the country Kicking the asses of everybody who left them negative comments. Is that not the dream? Oh. That's what I do. I, I'm, I do that when I'm not on the show. <laughs> Just like Munich, but for people who leave shitty comments. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. That movie ruled. All right. I think that is the end. Do we have anything else? Do we have anything nope. else to plug? Let's get the fuck out of here. Olivia, say goodbye. Bye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you.